Welcome to Tony Steak Podcast. Welcome to episode 95 of the Tony's Take Podcast. This is sports. I'm Sean. Joined with me, we have Tony. Yes. Off-road Andy. 95. That's exciting. And. Almost there. Wrecking Ball. <laughs> oh, your sound is pure. Yeah, 95. Pretty crazy. We we're uh, just climbing the ranks all yeah, day long. I believe Friends debuted this year. It's really yeah, 95 was a good year. Um. Home Alone had already happened. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And Home Alone Home 2 Alone had already 90. happened. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm loving it then. 95 was, yeah. 95. Is that how many uh, Super Bowl rings Tom Brady has? Uh, I think subtract 90. Okay. Wow. And then you'll get there. Mm. Well, yeah, like I said, this is the sports pod. Shall we uh, get on into the sports nitty-gritty? Um, yeah, sports. There was a, a big day of sports, maybe the biggest day of sports. That we've seen in some time. And that was this last Sunday, Championship Sunday. And by big, not only were there two games, but they were like two and... I'm going to say two and a quarter games because both games went into OT. Yeah, there we go. It was, it was, you got a lot of extra football there. It was. And for some Chiefs fans, you didn't get enough extra football. <laughs> it really felt like... It honestly felt like it was the Super Bowl yesterday, on Sunday. Just Even afterwards, it just felt like I'd watched... Two Super Bowls. Yeah, and I'd be fine if, like, you know, two weeks from now we just don't have the Super Bowl and we just get drunk without watching anything or just whatever you want to watch. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. you can do that also. Um, yeah, but it. people aren't in the same spirit. Like, yeah, I could probably get drunk any day, but you want people to join you. And usually the Super Bowl allows for that. Okay. It gives people cover to have a good time. Well, there you go. But, I mean, that's still... We're still like 16 days away or something from that, right? But who's counting? 10? I don't know. I can't do math right now. Is it February 3rd or February 2nd? The 3rd, yeah. The 3rd? So it's like uh, 12 days. 12, yeah. Safe to say about that. So we can worry about that next week. Uh, for this week, let's let's talk about what, what did happen in these two championship games. Um, I'd like to say we all saw it, but I know uh, Joe probably didn't get a, a, the best look at it. We, we got a, a great view of the Rams game here with some uh, true, authentic Rams fans. It was a great experience. So I know Tony and I, that's not our team, but we had a good good time yeah. being in that environment, having the you know the guys there actually, they care about the team, and you can actually feel it. And even though it's not my team, I was excited for them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And that's that's because they did win. That's why it was exciting. But if they, if they lost close, I, I think uh, – the fans we had here were responsible. I think they would understand, like, hey, they still had a good season. Still a bright future ahead for the Rams. And uh, if they didn't get it done this year, they, they had plenty of years to get it done. But uh, they did. And let's just say it was all on their own. They had no help from any other sources. The Rams <laughs> just played a really good game. <laughs> and they totally deserved to be in the Super Bowl. There you go. Let's give a pat on the back for Jared Goff, the youngest player to reach the Super Bowl within three years. That's Wait, an accomplishment. What's the stat? Youngest player <laughs> or yeah. fastest player? Or fastest fastest number one player to reach the Super Bowl three years. At quarterback. Yes. Okay. At quarterback. Okay. What's I'd... the three year part, by the way? Is that for three years consecutive? <clears throat> He's been in the league for three years. Okay. It took him three years. Because Sony Michelle, um, I'm sure, is younger than Jared Goff. Yes, he is definitely younger than Jared Goff. And it's taken him one year. Quarterback. 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 Okay. Right. Well, no, it is an accomplishment. You don't really yeah, see you guys no, that is. young. I think Russell Wilson. And especially when you young. look at how bad that team was two seasons ago. I mean, he comes into the league. He's under Jeff Fisher. Yeah. It looked like, oh man, Jared Goff, poor guy. He's never gonna have a career. And then Sean McVay comes, and now you look at Jared Goff, and you're like, oh shit, this guy's gonna have a tremendous career, assuming he stays healthy. But uh. Yeah, he has a coach to tell him all the plays and all the reads in his helmet. Yep. That so while it. we're talking about that game, I mean, I know you foreshadowed it. We might as well get to the, the bread and butter of that game. The only thing you've heard about in the past 48 hours about that game was uh, the blatantly missed pass interference call. You know, uh, what down did that happen on, by the way? Was that first or third? I can't even remember the sequence of events. I thought it was third. I thought it was third also, and somebody I was talking to said, no, it was first, but I was like, I don't think it was first. I remember they passed on first and third when it's like, you guys should have just ran on So I think that's what it was. I think they passed on first, and then I don't remember what happened, and then I'm pretty sure they ran on second, and then... 
I thought, okay, run again on third. Maybe you break something. Even if you don't, at least let them burn that time out, take the lead. But they decided to pass. They went for the throat. Instead, they got hit in the throat. Blatant missed pass interference call. But everyone has their different views on it. I mean, some people say, yeah, that was a bad call. And assuming they did call the pass interference like they should have, I mean, Sean Payton's acting like, oh, yeah, we would have needed the ball three like three times and set up a easy field goal, leaving like 20 seconds left. And even if that would have happened, who's to say Rams didn't wouldn't have completed a 45-yard pass? I mean, we all know Greg Zerline has a massive leg. So, I mean, I mean that 57-yarder he hit to win the game in overtime would have been good from like 70. Yeah. So, I mean, Zerline can kick in it from there, yeah. in, in the 60s. So, I mean, who's to say they wouldn't have had a chance to do something or also – Who's to say? It's easy to say now that they're like, oh, we would have run, uh, hand, uh, need the ball. But what if they would have handed off and scored, leaving a minute something left, and the Rams would have scored there? But the other thing to say also is that, yes, it was a bad call, but at the same time, the Saints did get the ball to start overtime. They could have drove the field and got points and even won the game with a touchdown, but, you know, Breeze ended up throwing an interception, and, you know. There you have it. Yeah, I think that that was fitting, too, because on this uh, questionable call here, this questionable play, it was a bad throw by Breeze. I don't know. It, the receiver beat his guy, but he's also going towards the sidelines. And if the DB actually – he knew he was beat, but if he actually turned around, he actually could have knocked the ball down easily or even picked it off and run it back or something. It was not like a great play that yeah, the Rams they, guy cheated to stop it. It was just you know, that's what that's the funny thing is what everyone has been saying too. A lot of people have been saying it should have been an interception anyway. Like it shouldn't yeah. have even been like pass interference shouldn't have even been the option for it. It should have been an interception to begin with, and then there would have been no yeah, worries of it. If that call did happen, you'd feel terrible. Like like wow, the Saints didn't really deserve that. They fucked up that last series by throwing a pass on first down that went incomplete, and then got bailed out on a bad throw on third down, you'd have to look at it like, wow, do they even really deserve this? So, yeah. yeah. And in the end, we saw a kicker make two huge clutch field goals, yeah. which is inspiring. This year, had a lot yeah. of kickers had problems. Yeah, this, the, the big thing about this year that a lot of people are going to take once this NFL season's over is there were a ton of missed kicks this year, and then there was also just poor officiating. I mean, I remember hearing something back when it was, I think it was week 16 or whatever it was when, the Steelers Saints game and there was that bad pass interference called for the Saints yeah. in the end zone with Kamara that was guy didn't even touch him they called pass interference that ended up being a huge play in that game and people were already bitching there about like wow the season's been horrible and then this has just been the icing on the cake and now we'll see what happens in the actual Super Bowl game it'll be really interesting because now all these refs are going to be like under a microscope in this game like hey like this better be like perfect score referee game like there better not be like yeah one mistake yeah i know a lot of people are upset that like you have to work your way up to being a ref by the time you actually get into the nfl you're like 60 and it's like do you really want 60 year olds doing this when you need you know quick reaction time and good vision all that kind of stuff it's like is this really are they doing themselves a disservice by having just a all the refs be, you know, old guys. Yeah. Someone missing something like that. And I don't know. I think it, it does make it such a hard part of the game because this is not the only missed call. I think Sean McVay complained about something. Uh, we, we saw on the this drive before that Jared Goff got his face mask ripped, and I think it was Goff, yeah. and they didn't call yeah, it. Yeah, when he scrambled, yeah. Yeah, and it was like it, it was pretty obvious. And then there's, there's missed calls every game that you just don't see so blatantly on replay, but I don't know. You just hope it evens out. But just something like that was so obvious that it just became the story of the game. I mean, there's, there's there's more to talk about that game. What was wrong with what was wrong with Todd Gurley? I think that's yeah. It's the biggest storyline. Should be the biggest storyline for the Super Bowl, like heading into it. Yeah, I mean, and it, and I haven't even heard anything about it too much because everybody's just been talking about that call. I mean, it's. Yeah. All that stuff is kind of going under the microscope. But, I mean, it'll be uh, – they, in my opinion, if they have any chance to beat New England, they need Todd Gurley healthy. They need him – Not, I mean, he's not going to be 100%. I think that's been blatant with how he's been limited since he's come back from injury and how he even missed a couple weeks towards the end of the season. But if they had the Todd Gurley they had, like, early in the season, 
then I would say the Rams would be in the driver's seat. But honestly, I think without him at full potential, I just don't see them being able to beat New England. I I don't know yet. I think we'll yeah we'll discuss we'll go that deeper more. into that. Yeah, the next I mean, week I, when I, it's the it's week one of those before. Things where, like but, I could see either way. Because that I, what I can say already is that line's already been shifting. I remember yeah. the moment the Chiefs Patriots game ended. I looked on my phone. I was able to look up on a website that I use and that I saw the line and it was it opened up at Pickham. Yesterday I took a look at it and it was already up to Patriots minus two. I, I had heard something that, that some of those books were automated to NFC team minus one over AFC team. So that's like when it first first opened at, at certain books. That's what yeah. it just showed the Rams. So people were like, well, how could you actually have the Rams be the favorites over that? And it's like, I, I don't know. I think you can argue either way. I mean, I think when it ended, I said Patriots minus one or minus two. But yeah, that's that's a line I could see moving around over the next ten days. Um, what do you want to talk about the other game? Yeah, that was a uh, typical. That game was exciting. It had its back-to-back moments. It looked like uh, New England was in control when they were up 14-0 at halftime, and then Kansas City comes out first drive to open the third with the touchdown, and then at one point. Fast forwarding, I know it became like 28-24 New England. I mean, uh, Kansas City. And at that point, I was like, "Oh shit, man, they're gonna they're gonna do this." And then Tom Brady marched him down, scored, and then New England was able to. I mean, uh, Kansas City was able to go back and tie the game on a clutch field goal with like just a few seconds left, I believe. Because I remember when uh, New England got the ball back, I think Brady just need it. And then it's just so funny to me in the Super Bowl. Brady wins the coin toss. Here he wins the coin toss, and I think he had made, he had, like, said something about how it's Slater who because he who makes the calls when he goes out yeah. there, and he's just loved it because both times he's gotten Brady the ball first, and both times Brady's just, it's just a slow death. He goes, it's like a five-yard pass, then like a seven-yard pass, <laughs> four-yard run, nine-yard pass, like two-yard run, yeah. four-yard pass, six-yard pass. He just slowly bleeds you out and the next thing you know you blink and it's like holy shit it's first and 10 at the 12 and then he's in the end zone before you know it yeah and this one was a little different they actually had three third third and 10 conversions yeah but again i think they got like 11 yards on every single one but there was a uh big play in that game when it was 28 to yeah but the biggest one or one of the ones that stands out was when uh tom brady went on that comeback drive when they were down 28 24 and he threw an interception that Looked like it was going to be going back that well, whether it was going back to the house or not, he threw an interception with under two minutes left. That looked like, and they were slow on timeouts. It looked like, oh my god, this is it. Yeah. And one of their guys on Kansas City was offsides. Funny thing about that is, I saw a little thing today about how the guy's name who was offside was D Ford, and there is a British woman whose name is also D Ford who has been getting death threats. Yeah, and it's just uh, pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, what was what made that so bad? It wasn't even like in offsides. It was lined up in the neutral zone. It didn't even seem like that gave him no advantage. He was just, I don't know what he's looking at. And you see it happen from time to time, but that's just one of those penalties. You like you get so upset. Why? What are you thinking? You know, you you can look. You're right there. He's on the line. You should be able to see if he's lined up over or not. Yeah. And to have like yeah that that play taken away. It's just like what. How can this keep happening? How do the Patriots get these these kind of breaks? Um, but they, you know, they take advantage of it. They they held on to the ball and they put it in. They got a touchdown and then they got another touchdown after that. And so they they get the break. They win the co- coin toss, but the game was still undecided. They had to score a touchdown there, and they did. And it's just it, it, they have a combination. They do get these lucky breaks from time to time, but they always they always make you pay for it, like they did. Like the uh, the fumble that didn't happen, the muffed punt. I mean, that ended up not mattering. Where Edelman somehow didn't touch that ball, and it was oh like yeah, a forty-five. Yeah, it didn't matter because the next play was an interception, yeah. or two plays later. But yeah, that was that was insane to me also because I think what was more insane about that play was that it was called muffed on the field, and they were able to rev- to overturn it because in my eyes, I saw no ways they were able to overturn it. But I'm honestly happy that. A couple of plays later, it was an interception because I think even Joe said it is like, oh man, if they gave that back, they're going to have people out there saying like, oh my God, the Patriots, yeah, they always get these calls, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that 
it ended up being an interception a couple plays later. It ended up making it void. You know, it didn't end up mattering. Well, on that on that replay, I think what we saw it was very hard to tell. Was like when from one angle it looked like it touched his right hand, but didn't touch his left. And then he showed the other angle. It looks like it definitely didn't touch his left, but it might touch his right. So it's like okay, well then it didn't touch either hand, even though it was so close to both. So I, th- I think they got it right, and I'm happy they were able to not have to stick with the the wrong call. I always hate those ones, but. Um, I don't know. We're talking about much about the second half. That first half, I think, is what just goes, you know, forgotten here. They shut out the Chiefs. The Chiefs didn't score a single point in the first half, which who would have ever called that? Like, what What was? What do you think you could have got in Vegas? You said, I think, I think the Patriots and their average defense is going to shut out the Chiefs. Even, even if you think, like, oh, Mahomes is going to have some jitters, you would think, like, they'd put together one scoring drive. And a half, but I think it was, it was a combination. Yeah, the Chiefs, they had that terrible sack. They had some missed plays, and then the Patriots' ball control offense. Like, that first drive was just it was like nine minutes and like 14 plays. But it's just, it's it's devastating. It's like, I don't know how. If you're a defense, it's like, what do, you, what do you do? Because you're not getting gashed. You're not giving up big plays. But it's like, they're so good at that short passing game that if they just get four yards per carry they're gonna just keep converting like it's it's not like a fun offense to watch you know yeah it's like well especially as he's gotten older i feel like he's made it more like that of him just little passes because it's what he can do i mean let's not forget i mean father time is a real thing and he's 40 yeah i mean it catches up to everyone and you're just seeing it more like that as he is more of those little passes because i remember that some of the days back when brady would just fucking throw the bomb you know, but you just don't yep. see that anymore. You don't see the big plays anymore. It's just con- consistent. And I mean, and it's funny because even with that set, I mean, you looked at this game, 14-0 at halftime. You're sitting there thinking like, oh, man, this is going to be a boring, low-scoring game. The Chiefs aren't moving the ball. Brady's just consuming the clock. And then it ended up being a 37-31 final. So, I mean. Yeah, I saw something that you would heading into the fourth quarter or like it, I think it was even when the Chiefs made it 17-14. to It was like 10 minutes left in the game. And it's like you really like that if you had the under – yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. I'll tell you what. With over under bets, I've those are scary bets because honestly, in every sport, they're never safe. If you you look like you'll have some picks that look like they're yeah. looking great to go over, and then if it's basketball, there can be a stretch where there's no scoring, or hockey, a period or two with no goals, baseball, a few innings with no runs. You know, it's just, and then it, vice versa. You could have an under looking so good, and then just in any moment, it just explodes. Like I remember a few years back. Me and my buddies, it was like laughing around because there was a Mets Nationals game or something. I want to say the over under was like eight and a half or something. And the score was like two to one in the eighth, and I th- want to say the Mets bullpen gave up like seven runs. Yeah, I mean that's... in the eighth inning, and it was like next thing you know, it was like eight to one or eight to two, and you're just like, what the fuck? But I mean, it happens, especially with baseball. The scariest thing in baseball is when, because when those lines are all based off the starting pitcher, so it's like if a starting, you know, throws. 108 pitches through five innings and he's done and yeah. you count for this bullpen it's, it's like, like, when like rich hill you know has to come out after six and a third good innings and then yeah, <laughs> yeah i've was... seen it before but uh, uh i don't know i think that game as much as i hate to see tom brady in there i think it, it was nice to see that it was a game and that we still saw some great mahomes plays yeah um, i think you just have to give so much credit to the Patriots coaching with especially on defense. How you know, what, what did Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey like combine for? Like it I just, know uh, they completely decided they're gonna take those guys away and they had to start they adjusted by making plays to running backs out of the backfield and, and like I know Tyreek and, Hill had I mean not Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey only had like twenty something yards because I was actually yeah. listening to uh something and they was these guys giving out their best bets of the game. And uh, one guy's best bet was Travis Kelsey under, like, 80 receiving yards because apparently Belichick has always, historically, I guess, been able to put Kelsey in check, kind of. Yeah. So he just – and that's the thing is, like, this was another thing I was thinking of. I remember seeing a meme years ago that was – showed a doctor, like, sweating, and it was, like, performs, like, 16-hour surgery, but the patient thanks God or whatever. It's like sometimes I feel like with the Patriots, like, I'm not trying to take anything away from Tom Brady – because he is basically like their god, but it's like also more credit I think has to be given to Belichick. I mean, Belichick's like 
the yeah. mastermind behind it all. He's the one that does these planning things and stuff. He's the one that the schemes and whatnot. And he's just a mastermind. He knows how to like do certain things. Like I remember a long time ago hearing about how he always defers the kickoff. If he wins, like he always kicks it off to the other team and one game, he won the coin toss and he decided to receive it. So they're kind of like, Oh, okay. Sure enough, at the very start of the second half, this fucking, like, snowstorm or, like, rainstorm had oh, hit, yeah. like, wherever they were playing. And it was like, yeah, go leave it to Belichick to know that, like, a rainstorm was due to hit at, like, you know, one seventeen p.m. or something. That's every little advantage. Yeah. Well, that's all it is. Well, with anything, just always getting a little edge. Anything you can look up to that you think gives you an edge or something. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what I wanted to talk about. I mean, outside of you know, the great championship game is just, this is not the, uh, the first time we've seen the Patriots win an AFC championship. I think we all know that. They, uh, it's Tom Brady's ninth Super Bowl appearance now. So along with Belichick and it's just like, it's, how are they able to do this over, so over 18 years? I think it's been 19. I don't know, but that's like, they make the Super Bowl half the time. Like that's, you just don't see that. Like, you definitely don't see it in football. Right now, you've got the Warriors, which are like their own anomaly. It's hard to figure out. Yeah, the but Warriors like, aren't slowing down anytime soon. So there's there's been nothing close to it. There's been good. Your team's been good, consistently good for the la- that time time period, but nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's funny is our I saw another crazy stat that said most times going to a Super Bowl, and this is Tom Brady's ninth time going. Yeah, and it, the second most team. to that was the Steelers have been there like eight times, and then it was like the Niners or Packers have been there like seven times or something like that. Cowboys up there, but it's crazy to think that he ha- alone has been more times than any franchise has ever gone. Yeah. So one of the things I always hear people when they talk about this is, it's even more amazing that they're able to do this in the salary cap era because in the NFL there's a hard salary cap. So if your players get good you end up not being able to afford them. And the Patriots have had their their share of problems with that. They always – their method seems to be trading def- good defensive players or letting them go and then just trying to, like, retool. And I think because they have Belichick, who's able to coach up, you know, undrafted guys. You see, like, guys come out of nowhere and be really good for the Patriots. Trey Flowers is going to get tons of money this offseason and not from the Patriots, but he was a nobody before, you know, Belichick was there. He was somebody to, to his mother. Yeah. His family. We're talking on the field. Jim. But it is imp- impressive because they don't ever get high draft picks. They yeah. usually get Malcolm like Butler, the bottom feeders, and they yeah they do make them into. Well, it's players. funny too is when you look at those guys. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head the year Malcolm Butler had, but it's like what made Malcolm Four. Butler was just that one interception though too. But he still. he played good the next two years, but I don't think last year he wasn't that good. So it's yeah, an easy decision to let him. But that's the thing is it is crazy in all sports really. It's like you'll see guys play very well for a team. And then they'll get traded, and then all of a sudden it's like you never hear from them again. Yeah, I mean that happens a lot. Like I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's I think well, the one that always stands out the mind to mind, the most to me was is Carl Crawford, when how he was just so electric in Tampa Bay, and then when he got traded to Boston for all that money, he just I think slowly ba- went off. Baseball that happens a lot. I feel like yeah. Well, it's also because just... these guys get paid so much. Like once you've hit it, you're yeah. kind of like okay, well, there's nowhere else. Like what motivation do I have? Well, I think it's it's so hard to. Like, if you're just a little bit off, your swing just gets a little bit off, you'll drop from 320 to 250 like that, like no problem. So, but yeah, you see it in the NFL too. You see guys, especially on defense, guys have good years. And then, so you always have to wonder, is it they're putting the right scheme? The coaches know exactly how to get the most out of that player. Um, and I so said, that's what I think. I think the Patriots kind of turned around their franchise for the second time with offense. I'm saying like after... So after that first run where they had all those great defensive stars, Ty Law, Richard Seymour, wow. Harrison, McGinnis, they were loaded with talent, and those guys started to slowly fall away, and the offense was still, like, good but not great. And then they went, like, they got Randy Moss, they got Wells Welker, and their offense just totally transformed into this, like, they throw a lot of passes, and then they figured out, like, throwing to the running back, throwing these – Short passes to uh, the quick white wide receiver. That's kind of the Patriots staple. <laughs> yep. And it's just like it's it's amazing how how far ahead they seemed of the rest of the NFL. I think the rest of the NFL knows knows that they everyone runs quick drags and pick plays and that kind of stuff. 
But it's like they've been in, and since then they've been able to like adapt. And now they have a better running game than most. They always have good blocking tight ends. It's like they're just always ahead of the game. But what I was saying about the, the salary cap, where they said how that's how that should hurt them. I think it actually ends up helping them because you don't get a situation where another team can just go out and get a ton of talent that eventually, like, you see, like, with the Seahawks, they had a ton of talent when the people started getting expensive. Yeah. And that was a team that... And, that, and then that it, tends to happen, too. I mean, Yeah, but with the Patriots, because they're just built around good coaching and Tom Brady, there hasn't been able to have this, like, sustained competitor where it's like you... In basketball, there's the cap, but it's not a hard cap, so the Warriors are able to stay together. So you have, like, teams like that could knock out... That, that formula doesn't work in the NBA of like, oh, you just have good coaching. You saw the Spurs end up, their run ended up ending because a team like the Warriors can just end up collecting a bunch of talent and paying that talent a bunch of money. And now it's like, I mean, Popovich is still doing as good of a job as he's always done. Yeah. And that team just can't compete with. Yeah. And Popovich, I think this is coming to an end for him because I heard someone even ask him, is this your last season? He just, you know, put it in his Popovich way. I don't know. But like, it's just that, you know, he had the, his wife pass away last season, and then he's even he's been very, you know, very talkative about how he – about how his thoughts are on the NBA these days, about how it's like everybody's just jacking up threes and how there's no, like, defense much anymore and, like, no big guy. So I think someone like him who was still one of those coaches that's been around a long time that was in the old school era, like in the early 2000s, 90s, even when it was, like, rough physical basketball, I just think he's going to eventually – it's dumb because I think he's he's a no bullshit guy like he's somebody that is gonna know like how he's like if he doesn't feel like he can win he doesn't you know he's not gonna waste his time and I think he's starting to realize that the way this NBA is now like he doesn't have a team that can compete for a while probably and why what am I gonna do now I mean he's in he's got to be in his 70s right no I think he's late 60s but late 60s but still I mean you look at him he always just looks depressed or just unhappy uh, I think it's, I think that is a uh, thing among great coaches. Phil Jackson always looked angry. Belichick is obviously, you know, surly. I think is the best description. I mean, I don't know if you see a lot of those uh, happy coaches. You know, have beat, have a ton of success. Yeah. But I mean, that's. I bring up Popovich because I think that's just the only thing. Popovich and Spurs the only thing you can compare to this Patriots run, and it just doesn't. It's not even close. I think they they do have the five titles, but there's there's they're not in the champ- NBA championship every year. Well, regardless, it just comes down to coaching because a lot of these teams are in the game. You know, like the Chiefs had every every right to win the game, and then they just fall short because of bad plays, bad calling. They steer away from different game plans, uh, and you know you're going up against the goat. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that uh, Belichick definitely emphasizes is I know fumbles. He'll cut guys as they fumble. They could be a good runner, but if you fumble, you're not going to play. Those are costly mistakes. Yeah, and then penalties. True. Patriots don't make a lot of penalties. They're not. Yeah, they're but not I like how all these refs are starting to get scrutiny because now it's starting to open up the eyes that maybe we do enforce that two-minute rule where you can overturn a call. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be – I think it's going to happen. It's going to be very, very specific things, but I mean, it hit – because I don't know how they're going to do it for every penalty. Like I, just I think if it's under the two minutes, I think it should be able to in, go. In that, At least that most crucial part of the game is the two, last two minutes of the game, and that's when it's most yeah, important. Yeah, and that, that was another thing, too, that I was saying that I brought up and I also had heard it on another radio show was how it's just always – like the biggest thing everyone's been talking about is that penalty, but it's so easy. Like what if that call happened in the first quarter? No one would have talked about it. No, They yeah. wouldn't have brought it up later like well if that wasn't pass interference or like his calls like that honestly early in the game happen all the time and nobody ever thinks about it. it's so easy just to go down to oh the last field goal was missed or oh he threw an interception at the five yard line down by four yeah. or oh he a blatant missed call i mean it's like i mean a lot of times i mean you know just it's something you know some people just say like well just don't put yourself in that situation and then but again though the saints i mean if they did get that ball back. They did have a chance to win the game, and they blew it. I mean, that it's not like I think it would have been a bigger deal if that was a missed call and then it was intercepted, and then Rams ran it down to like the forty and ended up kicking the game-winning field goal in regulation. Then I think people really would have been like, yeah. "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" But it's like, hey, 
They had the lead. They uh, could have stopped them when the Saints, I mean, the Rams got the ball back. They didn't. They could have uh, won the game in overtime when they got it. They didn't. I mean, it's, you know, you can blame that call a lot, that ref, but also I really believe a lot of those refs in that situation, obviously that was blatant. It should have been called, but fast time, I mean, it's hard to see it. I mean, obviously if everything slowed down, like if there was a review, like you could review penalties, then they probably would have reviewed it, and obviously it would have been reversed. And it's like, yes, that was pass interference. But when it's happening fast motion, I just honestly think in these big games, refs are afraid to throw flags late because they, for the opposite reason, like they don't want their flag to be what costed a team a chance at the Super Bowl. In hindsight, now this time, now you look back at it, and it's like, okay, him not throwing the flag actually cost it. But it's like same with basketball. A lot of times, especially in the playoffs, late in these games, there's a lot less whistles and stuff. It's because, you know, guys oh, let them. Yeah play more because they don't want their call to come down to it. But again, it was blatant. It should have been called, but you know, you put yourself in that situation, fast motion. It might've just all happened so fast. He might not have seen anything, but also I would like to know what that, what was it? Safety or corner that did it. That yeah, hit it was him a corner. Like what he was even thinking. Cause it's like, when you really do, people, when you really do look at it, he wasn't even looking at the ball. He just tried to like, time it and it looked like he just I mean he just drilled him like it was so yeah. funny like when you look back and it's well, he said that's what and it was dumb he's like I just wanted to prevent a touchdown but it's like actually if you thought that you probably should have let him catch it and run it in for a touchdown yeah no I know but it was just I don't know if he thought he was time. he was obviously trying to time it but he did a poor job but the fact that he wasn't even looking at the ball he was nothing it was it literally reminds me of uh I don't know if you ever played uh, NFL blitz Oh, yeah. But an NFL blitz, you were allowed to, like, pass interfere. And it just reminded me of that because an NFL blitz, that was one of the best parts. Someone would throw a deep ball, and you would just drill the person, and then you could pick it off, or at least it would be incomplete. It's like that was literally like a play out of NFL blitz and that. Well, was. it shows you how bad the throw was because he was assuming it was gonna already going to be there by that point, and it was so late that he hit him so far in advance. Yeah. But like you said, I think the refs don't want to – they don't want to be the ones to make the call. I think – there was a, a Lions-Cowboys playoff game. Was it like Lions, a, Tigers, and Bears? A few years ago that I can't remember which way it was. I think it was should have been a pass interference on the Cowboys, and it would have made put the Lions in like the position to win the game. But they ended up not calling it, and so the Lions ended up losing. I think it, that's how it went. Mm-hmm. But it's, that was like a first-round game, so it just wasn't as important, I guess. But it was a big deal. It was also it helped the Cowboys, I think. It's a lot of them like that. And that's that's what I'm trying to remember. But there, there's there's times like that where refs blow calls and it ends up affecting the game. Yeah, it happens in every sport too. I mean, but the crazy thing is, is though every sport you can kind of like, I don't know. I mean, because in like baseball you can't review balls and strikes, but I mean, you can't you argue will eventually. those anyway. And you honestly you probably will. And then you know hockey you can though you can review an offside, so you can review penalties technically in hockey. And then also in uh, uh, let me see, what's the other one? What am I missing here? Basketball, they can. I mean, they can't review fouls there. I don't think, but I mean, they've still no. evolved it a little bit because now they make it so. Hey, we can discuss a ball out of bounds, which is still a call by the ref that you can review. So I just think eventually that it'll be an interesting off season. I really think because, like I said before, that this was already a horrible year for refs in the NFL, and then this was the absolute icing on the cake. So something is gonna happen this offseason I think like some rules are going to be enforced differently maybe or but some of these refs it's like you know some people are out a lot of people are out there thinking like oh they're doing that on purpose and I mean who's to say some of these refs aren't out there throwing money down on some of their games because how would you know but the thing is is like if you get caught in that situation you're fucked I mean that's like prison time but then also on top of that like these guys this is their jobs they know they're a lot of these uh, refs like squads get uh, suspended all the time for blatantly missed calls in a game, especially if it's more than one. And it's like, you don't want to do that. That's your job. You know, that's like your income. I mean, I mean, that, I know a lot of these guys have other jobs, but some of them might be like, Hey, this is my main source of income or like, Oh, I've, you know, I need this job to be able to pay the mortgage or anything like that, you know? So yeah, you still also don't want to be embarrassed on national TV. I think it should be a strong motivator. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, especially because all the refs are just like bird box. They can't see anything. 
And they all I live in L.A. It, so. might, it might be true. They might be well, old. The biggest change that they need to have, and I think that they're going to make a positive towards the change, is the uh, overtime rule. Because the first time possession, you have to have the second team get position and try to attempt to score, especially when you're going up against Tom Brady. And since it's available in the college level, what's the difference between these grown men that are getting paid? I mean, they could tough it out, and a winner wins. You, you want to have it competitive all the way through. Yeah, I think we'll see that change soon as well, but only in the playoffs. Cause they yeah, changed, I agree. They changed it where you needed more than a field goal. It used to be, like, this is Tom Brady's 3-0 in overtime. The other overtime win was that game against the Raiders in the snow. Where it was the same thing. They they won the coin toss and kicked, like, a field goal to win the game, and, and they decided we don't want that anymore. We don't want you to be able to win just off a 40-yard drive because you won the coin toss. So they changed that rule for the playoffs, and I think they only did that for one year before they made it. That's just the rule in every game. Regular season, I think, should stay how it is, especially because they already lowered it from to, like, aren't the overtimes now in the regular season only, like, 10 minutes? minutes? So they already lowered that. So I think they should keep that at, um, you know, three points the first time, then the other team can get it. But in, in, uh, in the playoffs, I do think it should come down to both teams get at least one shot with the ball. Yeah. I would say the only way it's not – both offenses get a shot with the ball is obviously if, let's say, New England wins the coin toss and there's a pick six or fumble return. It still counts as Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah both teams touching the ball, I guess. Yeah. But, no, I agree. I think that should be changed. I think overtime should come down to uh, both teams at least get the ball. But the funny thing about that is whenever if that rule ever were to happen, it would be after Tom Brady and it would just always be like, ha-ha, like Brady still got to just cut everyone's throat playing but never had to yeah. deal with that because – I'll tell you what, it would have been interesting yesterday like or a couple days ago. Like, Let's say they go, they kick the extra points, 38-31, and then Kansas City goes and drives the ball also. But then what gets exciting is, you're, you, especially in the playoffs, you'd have that chance of, okay, hey, are we going to give that ball back to Tom Brady or are we going to go for two here? Yeah, I never thought about that. That's So, I mean, that's, that's why it would, need to think about. it would be a lot more exciting that way because the thing is, is everybody loves college football playoffs. Not playoffs. That uh, too, but college football overtime. Because it's exciting, you know. It's They get the ball at the 25, and then no matter what, they get the ball back. And then after three overtimes, you have to go for two. Like, I remember what was it's the game LSU earlier this year? Game. LSU, LSU A&M. We watched it. It was like, what, it would go eight overtimes or something? Eight or nine? And it ended up being like 70-something or like 70-something yeah. or whatever. But that game was exciting. Like, I remember, like, we were actually at a bar area and it wasn't on. I remember like, oh shit, like we should turn this on. And we got it on. There was people like crowding around watching because it just kept going into more and more overtimes. Yeah. I mean, actually what I'd like is to have no overtime in the regular season. Just give people ties. And just Because ties are interesting. You get that like you're nine and six and one and you get to go to the playoffs because the other team went nine and seven. I kind of like that little... Uh... Yeah, but it still comes down to numbers, and the higher number is always going to take the bigger spot. But the the biggest point in the argument or all these examples is that defense. If you stopped them, you wouldn't be in that scenario in the first place. Yeah, Boom. and the Chiefs defensive and the coordinator Chiefs, lost his job. Yeah, and he lost his job, and that defense was exposed, and there goes to show you that you can't win a championship without yeah. a solid defense. And who would have known that the Patriots' defense would have shown up and played like that because they shut them out. Yeah, I, the Chiefs definitely need to – not be as horrible. I think you don't need to have a top-notch defense to win, but you need you need something better than what they got. But what I, else I think the Patriots just also just played they come that play. defense well because the Chiefs have a good pass rush. Yeah. But the Chiefs were able to, or the Patriots were able to protect Brady. They throw quick passes, just totally neutralize their strength, which goes back to you know just the great game plan that they have. Well, also, I think the biggest key of it, the defensive play was that all of their cornerbacks and all their defense, they were playing press coverage the entire time. So that goes to show you that they're obviously playing with some talent, and then they could take out all their receivers just like that. And that's what happens when you shut down an offense that explosive. And also, Andy Reid's close-to-close head-up games is terrible. I think it's like 2-8 and eight or whatnot. I'm still an Andy Reid fan. You were? I know. I had to get a towel to wipe your tears. I did cry when one of his teams lost, when the Eagles lost the Super Bowl, like 2004. Oh, 2004? Come on, that was 2018. You were crying. That was tears of joy. Just kidding. <laughs> um, one, of, one of the things they've talked about a lot with uh, how annoyed people are the Patriots are back in the Super Bowl. Some people are trying to take make this uh, case that like we're all gonna be we're all gonna miss the Patriots when they're gone. We like having the villain to root for. 
Um, but I'm a fan of another AFC team, so I'll be happy when he's gone because I have some stats about Brady's dominance over the AFC. I mean, in the Super Bowl, they're 5-3. and three. That's okay. Not a bad record, you know, for a playoff record. Tom Brady is 24-5 and five in the AFC playoffs. That's equivalent to, what, 13.2 wins per season, like in a 16-game season. So that's a, they're a thirteen and three team in the AFC playoffs. So, so here's here's his record against some of the teams. Against the Raiders, he's one and zero. Against the Steelers, three and zero. Titans, two and zero. Colts, four and one. Jaguars, three and zero. Chargers, three and zero. Houston, two and zero. Kansas City, two and zero. The only teams he's had trouble with: Baltimore, two and two. Jets, one and one. Then Denver is his his kryptonite. One and yeah, three against Denver. I know that. I remember with like. Uh... Uh, Von Miller, I think those couple of years kind of really got to him. Yeah, no, the Peyton Manning was—it's honestly just Manning's in general. But Denver, I mean, was four and one against the Colts. I think it was only two and one when Manning was there, though. Yeah, it was two and zero oh against Luck. And then, uh, yeah, Manning beat him. I know that one year against Denver. I mean, against uh, when he played Denver, when Brady played Denver, when Manning was there with Osweiler, I think that year. Yeah, because that they, was the they, won, they, they beat him in thirteen and fifteen when the when the. Broncos went to the Super Bowl in 13 and 15. They beat the Patriots. So I, just remember, I think Von Miller just really gets to Tom Brady. He gets he gets to me as well. He's a great player, but he, he he's he's annoying. He gets in there. Yeah. So, but I'm just saying, look at all those teams that haven't even beaten him. Like these are good good franchises. Yeah. I mean, the biggest surprise to me is that he's three and against against Jacksonville. That Jacksonville's actually played three playoff games against the Patriots or against Tom Brady. I don't remember that. Remember David Garrard? Oh, yeah. I remember David Garrard because I remember the game against the Steelers when they beat him, and then I will always remember when it was like fourth and one, and they went for it at like close to midfield, and it was just wide open. He ran it like 30-something yards down to like the Steelers like 20 or something. Fuck that guy. And then they must have gotten (laughs) beat by the Patriots next week. I think that is what happened. They did beat the Steelers in that that round and then yeah you're probably right the Patriots probably had a first round bye and then they met them and lost yeah. but yeah. all they did was save you from the next week yeah probably <laughs> I don't think I don't think that Steeler team was that good that year I think they they were uh, like a 4 or 5 seed and I want to say they were like a 5 seed and Jacksonville happened to be like a 6 seed or something yeah. or it was I mean regardless they yeah. were a 4 or 5 seed I mean that wasn't I know that was a divisional game I know that wasn't the game to go to the AFC Championship game. All right, I got some more stats here. So, looking at Super Bowl appearances since the 1996 Super Bowl, which was when so my team, the Chargers, went. wasn't a football fan back then. They got, I think it was the worst blowout ever in Super Bowl history. They lost to the 49ers. But since then, the Patriots have won the Super Bowl 10 times. Pittsburgh 4, Denver 4, Baltimore 2, Colts 2, Tennessee 1, Oakland 1. So, that's only... Seven teams in the past 24 years from the AFC have represented him. So that's leaves the Chargers, Chiefs, Bengals, Browns, Texans, Jaguars, Bills, Jets, and Dolphins with zero Super Bowl appearances in 24 years. It's a wow. lot of pain for these AFC franchises. See, and that, we were actually were a couple of buddies of mine, and I were talking about that last night because my buddy was just a huge Chiefs fan, and he was sulking over it, and we we're like, hey, man, sorry. I mean, it's like... It's a good team. It's just in the wrong time. Like, don't worry. Like, you're lucky that the Chiefs are a young team. Like, for me being a Steelers fan, and also kind of a little bit for you being a Chargers fan, our quarterbacks are old. Yeah, and our I quarterbacks mean, existed during this entire span. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Steelers were lucky because they did uh, win two Super Bowls and were able to get there uh, three times. But Four since 95 because uh, they played the Cowboys that one year. Yeah, but I mean that pre-Tom was pre-Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking mostly with Brady. Yeah, but uh, I mean it's just uh, he just dominates, and it's it's funny because he some of these years they have been flat out the best teams in the AFC, you know, because a lot of times they do get the home advantage, but this year they just they truly weren't the best team. I don't even think they were like one of two best teams in the AFC. I think they were like I think Kansas City was better than them. I think San Diego or LA Chargers might have been better than them. I'll be biased and say if the Steelers were healthy and didn't have drama this year, that they were better. Steelers did beat them, right? 
Yeah. I beat them head to head. So, I mean, yeah. you could argue a lot of that, but he just finds a way. And I, I guess what I'm saying more so with this too is like paper, on paper wise. I mean, you look at his receivers, you got an ailing Gronkowski and then what? Fucking Julian Edelman and then Hogan still. Yeah. And then Dorsett. Dorsett. Pick some guy up off the street. And- yeah. And then, I mean, it's just like you had Josh Gordon. And when they lost Josh Gordon, a lot of people thought like their season was going to be done. Like, oh, yeah, they don't I have that so. receiver. And I, I was listening to Colin Coward thought their season was over. But then these guys I listened to that are the big sports betters in Vegas thought that was stupid. Said, no, their season's far from done. And sure enough, it was. Yeah, I hate when people say it's so lazy when it's just like, can't ever count out Brady and Belichick. But it's just like, I just don't want it to be true. I do want to count them out. But I do want to look at, I said, these are the uh, Super Bowl appearances since uh, the 95 Super Bowl. In the NFC, only three teams haven't made the Super Bowl, and that's the Redskins, Vikings, and Lions. And that just shows you that's the Tom Brady effect, is that in the NFC, it's been kind of wide open. There's been good teams. There's been... There's four teams that have made three Super Bowl appearances, the Packers, Rams, Giants, and Seahawks. But it's pretty much just like split even. It's a, it's a competitive conference, but in the AFC it's just like it's Patriots. They just they they've stolen a lot of joy I think from a lot of NFL <laughs> fans in the AFC, and that's why I won't miss him when he's gone. Yeah. Because because even if it's not the Chargers, I'll be happy if the Bengals make a Super Bowl appearance, the Browns Jaguars, these are teams that you like to see a little bit of hope, a little bit of joy in their lives, right? Yeah. Even the Chiefs. The Chiefs are division rival, and it's like I'd be happy to see you get in there because I know it's like hey, your buddy, he's a good guy. Yeah. He deserved it. Yeah, no, he – I was good, cheering. Good I was football pull, fan. I was pulling for him, but I, I, the Chiefs will be there in the next couple of years, I think. I don't think that's without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes is – a great quarterback. He's not going anywhere. I think he's one of those guys that could have anybody as a receiver and he'll be able to give him the ball. And the Chiefs have shown that all their running backs that they've had this year have been able to uh, produce. I mean, they had obviously Kareem Hunt, who was outstanding. Then, you know, we know what happened with him. And then even uh, St- uh, Spencer Ware came in and he did well, but then he got hurt. And then they had this Damian Williams guy come in and he did pretty well. So, I mean, it seems like they've got good things on that offensive line yeah it's a it's a great system Andy Reid's a good coach it'll they'll pull together some within the next three years this team stays together they're gonna get somewhere and I think they know what their one week their biggest weakness was this year was the defense they already fired their defensive coordinator today and then they've got a you know they'll get they'll fix those puzzle pieces and this will be a team I think even next year but definitely in a couple years that is going to definitely make a run. Like they would honestly be my preseason bet next year to at least win the AFC. Because I think the fact that Mahomes got this taste in his mouth, got a game away, got honestly minutes away, really like they were two and a half minutes away. They were up with two minutes left in that game. So the fact that he was that close, he's going to be even hungrier next year. I think he's going to have a great year. Chiefs will fix the little things they needed to. And I saying this now, the not too early pick, I would say, Chiefs are going to be in the Super Bowl next year. Even if Tom Brady's on the field still. I, I do think they'll be the favorite regardless, even if the Patriots I think win so the Super Bowl by 30 no, points. No, no, I agree. I think so too. I think they'll the be favorites. will be 42 years old. I think right? the favorites next year would be my guess at the top of my head would be Chiefs and then like Rams or Rams then Chiefs. They might put the Rams ahead just because they got there. Yeah. Also, who knows? Maybe I mean, we're acting like the game's already been done and the Rams <laughs> lost. I mean, Rams could easily win, so that would also give them a good chance to be the preseason favorites next year but yeah you know that's we'll discuss all that though i, th- I think next comes. week we'll make our official picks but yeah. what, are, what are your prelim- preliminary thoughts here of this uh matchup Ethan? new england for me yeah i mean right now i looked again the line is now up to two and a half so i mean that would have been one of those things where i would have liked it to have gotten it earlier now this is one of those situations where if money keeps coming in on new england and that line goes up to three three and a half and it ever gets to four even three and a half, then I might lean Rams because I think this game easily could come down to the last possession or a field goal. But I just think Brady's going to be able to, I think Brady's going to be able to pick apart their defense. And without Gurley being a hundred percent, I think they're going to have to rely too much on Goff. And I just, I don't know. I just think Belichick's a good, he's going to find a good way, but this is what 
honestly, coaching-wise, you want to see. you got the Hall of Fame veteran coach in Belichick who's a mastermind against the young buck who's yeah. going to probably be coaching for a long time and is going to cause a lot of people problems in the future. So I think this is exciting, but I just think it's one of those things where, you know, you got there, McVay, but you're just not going to beat the Emperor in this one. I think Belichick's going to come out. Wait, he's get, the Emperor in this? Yeah, it's like the emperor and the like he's like a young anakin <laughs> maybe so he eventually gonna... <laughs> joins them <laughs> i'm just gonna be the offensive coordinator for the patriots that would be yeah. that would be a big surprise but the patriots always play to their strengths and you know who came out of the darkness to play darkness. make some big plays is uh mr gronkowski also making some blocks and doing his job yeah. so could be his final a, game a too. good t- yeah. collective yeah. team but uh for the super bowl pick i'm gonna have to go with the patriots as well because i know that now that they put that Kansas City's defense on their back, uh, they're probably going to do the same thing to this Rams defense, especially when your boy Tom Brady ha- didn't even get touched. Yeah. Well, I have to not pick the Patriots just because I think out of obligation. Um, he's turning red right now. I, I think I he's, think the he's key. He's furious. Yeah. The, the key. This game is going to be Aaron Donald and and Dom Kong Sue. Sue has some experience playing against Tom Brady, but outside rushers just don't don't work against Tom Brady. They they, he doesn't need much time. It yeah. takes too long for edge rushers to get there. Pressure up the middle, though. Get in his face. Knock some balls down. And it seems like he, he'll he make some bad throws. Like he, That interception he threw um, in the end zone, horrible. I think that's the way you beat the Patriots is you – Tom Brady isn't perfect. He seems sometimes like he's perfect. But he'll make some mistakes. and You just need to pr- get good pressure on him. Maybe force a force a ball a little high, gets tipped up in the air. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe they will get in there and cause some chaos. But that's why it's I said, good, like, I haven't, to have. I haven't bet on the game yet, and honestly, I probably won't bet on it until sometime next week. Yeah. And like I said, we'll I'll wait. Give some good props for next week too. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely look at some props. We'll give you guys our, we'll each give you guys a prop bet and our actual bet of the game. And I will assure you that whatever prop bet I give and whatever bet I actually give on the game, you will have my guarantee that my own money will also be on it. That's a nice guarantee to Just have. Backing it up right there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll wait till next week because, again, like I'm all about like the number, stuff like that. I mean, I would have loved at Pick'em. I would have loved New England, and I probably should have pulled the trigger then and there, but didn't. And now that line's already up to two and a half. I'm going to let it keep riding because what I think is going to end up happening is it will get up to three and it might even get up to three and a half. I don't know about four, but it. I think it could get up to three, three and a half. And then what I think is going to start happening is people are going to wait, and then they're going to jump on the Rams when the Rams are getting three and a half, four, and that line might come back down. That's just a early prediction from me. I think that line's going to move around it's a like lot the stock between. Market here. It is. I mean, that's really what it is. It lines do like that. It is a market. It moves up and down all the time like that. And it's just sometimes it does come in with that half point. And it matters about when maybe, and that could be the difference between you winning or losing, depending on when you got that in. Then the game is a 17-point blowout and none of it matters. And then that happens sometimes too. And that's like the, the truth about it is that the game still gets played. So, I mean, that shit also happens. Or it goes into OT and gives no chance for the other team to do anything. Yeah. They're going to change that next year. Yeah. They're going to change it. Yeah. It, it, Those it, are the most frustrating It ones. takes the fun out of it because it's like, honestly, in this situation, I don't want the game to go to overtime. I'd rather somebody... Like in the Patriot game, score a touchdown, get up 28-24, and leave 57 seconds left for the other team to try to make some magic or like a minute four. It's like I don't want to see a team get the ball and then seven plays later they're in the end zone and the other team doesn't get the ball anymore. Fuck that. Yeah. But. We still got a a lot of football. Yeah, we'll we'll talk a lot of football next week. I mean, I assume the podcast next week, unless any crazy things happen, will be probably dedicated almost strictly just to the Super Bowl and predictions and whatnots, maybe share memories of our favorite Super Bowls. And also I we, like I have one. we could even throw in uh, <laughs> things that you should be eating or drinking at the Super Bowl. There you go, yeah. Andy. Doritos chips. That's a solid choice. Solid choice, baby. Nacho yeah. cheese. Never switch it. What's Never switch right it. What, what is going on? Yeah, right sorry, sorry. I'm just trying to get comfortable over here. But uh, we got to definitely do a shout out to Kobe, his 81-point game against the Raptors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tonight it just happened. Wow, yeah, it just happened. I think it's tw- 13 years ago yeah. tonight it happened. Wow, I was just a boy. It's 2006, Cut. I believe. Joe is just you could have fooled us, Andy. <laughs> I remember where I was that night. It was a Sunday. I remember that, and I remember I was went downstairs, and all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, he's got like 60 something points with like 
10 minutes left in the fourth. And then it was like, I remember telling my dad, like, we got to turn this game on. And then all of a sudden he's in the seventies and you're just like, Oh shit. Yeah. When you're feeling it, you're feeling it. Yeah. I was a freshman in high school. Cause I remember my English teacher talking about it a few days later, he put some quote on the board and somehow was like, it's talked about being in zones. He's like Kobe Bryant the other night <laughs> was in a zone. What a hip teacher. <laughs> He was a cool teacher. He was, uh, you know, who he actually was. His uh, brother played professional baseball. His brother was Chad Muller. All right. Well, there Kelsey you go. Fullerton. Shout he out. used to have a. He had a paper on the wall, like a cutout out of the OC register that had Chad Muller when he had hit the cycle against somebody. Yeah. Because I know he was never like anything like special of a player, but hey, he gets to That's, say yeah. hit the cycle. It's pretty cool. Hitting the cycle, sitting the cycle. Also, but he was he also was a on. Catcher. And yeah, I was gonna say he was on some bad Milwaukee teams though. Those were before, uh, probably back when like was ben, he, ben Sheets was throwing to him and yeah. stuff. Was he a catcher on the field or off the field? All righty. There you have it, Joe. Perfect. <laughs> yep. Well, any uh, any final thoughts? Concluding. No, thoughts? that was it. That was. I final. think. Uh, no, I think since that was we're Joe's on, final thought for the podcast yeah, ever. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then, since we're on baseball, well, really quickly, Mariano Rivera today became the first uh, player in MLB history to make the Hall of Fame on full votes. And uh, like 100% votes, there was not one person in there that disagreed because I think Griffey had been the next closest, had like 99%. There's usually there's some people who refuse to vote anyone first ballot. So yeah. Maybe that guy died. Yeah, because <laughs> they always do seem to have that one guy that like refuses. Like there's no such thing as first ballot Hall of Famer. But Mariano Rivera, I think, just was a class act. He was the closer. Like what he did in the postseason, how many times he got to play in the postseason was remarkable. Yeah. And uh, on top of that. Edgar Martinez, Mike Mussina, and rest in peace, Andy. Try not to be evil here, but Roy Halladay also made the playoff. I could have already seen you, Andy. I, th- I felt he like you had it. I, I was confused on that as well, but I mean, what do you mean? You're yeah, why were you confused? Man. Didn't he pass away? Yeah, yeah. That's he what still he, said. Had, he still had a career though. Yeah, I know, but like, he's not. Do you I, remember I who won a true. Best Supporting that's Actor? That's true. A few like ten years ago or so, a guy by the name of Heath Ledger. And yeah. he wasn't there to get his award. This is true. This is but true. He still, oh, just got elected. But he still did remarkable recently. as the Joker. That's right. And people will acknowledge yeah. it forever. R.I.P. R.I.P. But uh, I think that's maybe that's how we'll end here. On R.I.P. to Roy Halladay and Keith Ledger and Gina Sayo. It's been a while. Edgar Martinez, yeah, that is impressive because there's always those debates on do DHs belong in there. Yeah. Well, and he also played third base. Just I didn't know that. In from the writers, blanking on him. But um, he was like a DH most of the time. I think he kind of set the, yeah. the path there. Well, it was good for Edgar Martinez because I found out, too, this was his 10th and final time being allowed to be on it. Yeah, that happens a lot. Then. And he got 85%, so they were finally like, you know, sometimes I wonder, are these guys just assholes that are like, they are. we're going to make him wait 10 more years. Ba- old baseball writers are the worst. Oh, the, worst. The, the stats they have on baseball, yeah. too, like the people that do do that shit, it is bad because I know that people are like, and there has never been back-to-back triples by a two-three hitter on a Wednesday in yeah. MLB history, and it's like the really you laugh, but like those are stats that like yeah. people fucking keep. But let's just remember who did not get elected in the Hall of Fame today: Barry Bonds, Roger Alex, Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Alex, Rafael Palmeiro. Was Alex Rodriguez Alex eligible, eligible yet? yet? No, he's not eligible yet, huh? We're saying they're just they're being stupid because those there's a lot of people who did. If you had to put one of those guys in, who would you put in? Or would you even, or would you put all four in? I would put everyone in. Yeah, I agree. Pete Rose belongs in there too. Yeah. Pete Rose, mark my words, I think Pete Rose will be in there one day. Did Pete Rose get taken out? Pete Rose never make it? is slowly getting back into baseball. Like they're slowly yeah. accepting him more. He's on those post game shows in the playoffs. I think one of these days, someone's going to say, hey, let's open up that cold case. Let's Let's bring Pete Rose. Let's at least put him on the voting tablet and see what happens. Either wing it or see what happens. But the, the Barry Bonds thing is the most ridiculous. That guy, if if he never went to the Giants, he's a Hall of Famer. That's how good that guy was. Before any of the steroids, he was a Hall of Famer. And it's, like, it's, it's just a joke, pretending that he doesn't belong. It's just stupid. Yeah, agreed. When, I when just we're we're going to cheer. Or there's going to be a bunch of people cheering for Julian Edelman in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're it's right. Like, he did steroids. <laughs> he's a cheater also. They're PSDs. PS, what? Yeah, let's just leave it at that. PD, cheater, okay. cheater. All right. Well, we've been talking 95 sports on the Tony's Take podcast tonight. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Share it with a friend. 
and check out our entertainment podcast. I'm Sean. Joined with me, we had Wrecking Ball, <laughs> Tony Katz, yep. and the off-road Andy. See you later. Yeah. Meow.